Alright, First Chronicles chapter 4 tonight. First Chronicles chapter 4. And just going to read a couple verses to you here. We're going to look at a character tonight that we know very, very little about in the Bible. But um, the, Bible, the little the Bible tells us about him, I think we can learn some things from it. And uh, the things that we're going to kind of assume from these verses, I think it's easy to prove uh, through the rest of the Scriptures. But we're going to look at a man whose name was Jabez. And in First Chronicles chapter 4, you know, it's going through the genealogies or the chronologies. And when you, let's just admit it, sometimes when you're reading First Chronicles, it gets a little boring because you're reading a bunch of names. And a lot of times we have no idea who these people are. And they're all important. You know, there was reasons for this, but a lot of these people that are mentioned in First Chronicles, the Bible just doesn't tell us anything about them. We all we know is their names, and that's it. And so here we get a man named Jabez. He was somebody that was in the tribe of Judah, but this is nobody that's in the line of Christ. This isn't one of Jesus's, uh, you know, ancestors or anything like that. He'd have been a distant, distant uncle or something. I guess you could say. But it says in verse 9, "...and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, and his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow, and Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand may be with me, and that thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested." Now, that's interesting because... Here we have this guy who doesn't seem to play any key role in the Old Testament, but yet he's mentioned in here. And it's mentioned this prayer that he said. It's mentioned his name and what it means. I mean, his mother named him Jabez because she bare him with sorrow. It was obviously a very tough delivery, I guess you could say. And there was a lot of pain involved. And all we know, he was more honorable than his brethren. And I don't know, maybe it's recorded in there because... We see that he prayed for the Lord to enlarge his coast. And so maybe this was important for the people in Israel because maybe his land was a little bit bigger than the rest of his brethren. If you go back and, you know, Judges, it talks about kind of how they divvied up the land and everything, but it doesn't really mention Jabez and what they did with his. But it's just one of those things that's in the Bible that sometimes you see in the Old Testament that seems to just be thrown in there, okay? And so there could be some, you know, practical reasons like that why God put that in there. Maybe he did. There was a bigger area that he had, and he got it because God asked for it. But I believe there's nothing in the Bible by mistake. I don't think God just throws anything in there, even though it may appear that way to us. And when we see this passage here, you know, I think it's interesting to take notice of. There's all, and there are there's. I've always kind of been interested in a lot of the genealogies. And there's one, I think it's in Genesis that's mentioned, and their name was Ana, and it says it was the one that found the mules in the wilderness, I believe. What does that mean? Okay, I don't know what that means, but why did it mention that? You know, and one of these days I'm hoping maybe I'm going to see something in the scriptures that's going to make me understand why God threw that in there. Because I don't believe anything's in there by accident. I found that years ago. I still don't know the answer for that. 
I've got a crazy theory on it, you know, based on another book, but I'm not going to mention that from behind the pulpit. But at the same time, I do. I, I, I think there's a reason for it. And here we have something similar to that with Jabez, but it's a prayer. And I personally believe the reason God put this in here is because it is a, another example in the Old Testament of just how God wants to answer our prayers. God wants us praying. God wants us asking for things. And so I believe that we ought, to, we ought to learn from this story. And I think there's some things that we can look at that can be enlightening to us in here. But notice, just you know, a lot of this stuff here, it's, it's real simple. I wish I was going to get real deep and real philosophical and show you this hidden thing I found in the Bible and this special reason why it was put in there. But I really do believe it's in the Bible so we can learn from it and we can follow this example. And so notice in his prayer... We see there in, in verse nine when it goes or in verse ten it just says he called on the God of Israel. Okay? Notice his recognition on who he was dependent on. I think one of our biggest problems that we have as Christians is we get way too self reliant, way too self sufficient. You know, we don't like living by faith, do we? We don't like you know, we like to have everything mapped out, planned out. I mean we like, we want security we don't want to have to have faith. We don't want to have to be dependent on God. I don't know about you all, but I don't like being dependent on anything. I don't want to be... And But at the same time, we, we are dependent on God, aren't we? I mean, what can we really do without God? When you look at all the horrible things that happen in this world on a regular basis, I mean, it's clear that we, we need to be dependent on God. If we wanted, there's a lot of things we could sit around and worry about. They made, they made a TV show a while back. I think it was called like A Thousand Ways to Die or something. And I, I never watched any of them, but I heard about them. And it was all these episodes that was showing just weird, random things that happened to people that caused them to die. And, you know, I'm, I wouldn't want to watch that show because then I'd have a lot more things to worry about. You know, and there are there's a lot of ways you can die. And when you start seeing these things, it's like we are dependent on God, aren't we? We're just trusting Him to protect us. You know, car wrecks, they happen every day. People die unexpectedly. You know, uh, our missionary Bob Johnson just unexpectedly died of a car wreck. All the things they went through over there in Haiti and Dominican Republic where people probably maybe expected Him to eventually go, where He did have His extremely close calls. You know, it wasn't over there what happened. It was over here in America driving down a road. You, you just don't know. We have no idea... But we are we we need to be dependent on God and look at Mark chapter fourteen verse thirty six. I'm gonna, just gonna I'm gonna, you don't have to turn to all these, but I want to show you uh, just three verses here real quick where we see this term in the Bible. But Jesus is praying here. He's at the Garden of Gethsemane, and Jesus Christ Himself praying to God, and He said, "Abba, Father, all things are possible unto Thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, not what I will." but what thou wilt. Notice even Jesus had a dependent spirit on God. And notice how he calls him Abba here, which is another term you know, for a father. But what many people, you know, all the commentaries I've read on it, say you know, the closest thing that we would you know, have to it in our translation is the term daddy. Okay? And who usually calls their fathers daddy? Little kids, don't they? You know, it starts getting weird as they get older. You know, when they're teenagers, you know, they're not going to call them daddy anymore. You know, it's dad. 
Well, you know, you don't want to sound like a little kid. You know, and little kids, okay, they have they are not embarrassed. You know, Lana or Allie, they will come running up to me at any time and you know, Daddy and then they'll ask for stuff. And they're not embarrassed. They'll do it in the midst of a crowd of people. You know, Daddy, can I have this? You know, Daddy, will you do this? Not ashamed one bit. Why? Because I'm their daddy. They're completely dependent on me. And that ought to be our attitude with God. We ought to have that kind of closeness to Him where we are just able to go to Him, where we just instinctively go to Him and just like a little child does to their father, that ought to be our attitude when it comes to God. Too many times we think I can just do these things by myself, but Jesus here, He's wanting something for Himself. This is probably the only time I can think of where He's ever really asking anything for Himself, but notice He was completely dependent on God and notice His submission to God too. You know, hey, nevertheless, not what I will, but Thy will be done. That was His prayer. But notice that dependency he had on God. And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 15, it says, For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Okay? We're not in bondage to Christ. That's not the spirit we received. He's given us that spirit of adoption, that we now belong to him, and we can call him the same thing Jesus called him. It would be wrong, and you all would think it was wrong, and it would be, if I adopted another child and I treated them different than I did my own children. If I had, told, had my children, they could call me daddy, but that other one said, no, you have to call me father. You know, I, I shouldn't do that, should I? If I adopt someone into my family, I make them my child, they should get the same rights and privileges as my other kids. They should call me the same thing. I should refer to them as my son or my daughter. And the Bible says we do that. And Paul here, he said that's why we cry, Abba, Father. We're able to go to Him. We're able to cry out to Him. We're able to be dependent on Him just like a little child is on their earthly father. And then in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, it says, "...but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son made of a woman made under the law." to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because ye are sons, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. See, You see why we do that? You see why we feel that way? Because the Spirit of Christ is in us. That Abba, Father is what Jesus called His Father. And so we, as Believers, since we have His Spirit in us, we naturally call Him the same thing. Just like if my kids all called me something other than Daddy. If they all called me Papa and I adopted another kid, that's probably what they would naturally do. They would naturally do what the other children are doing. And we just naturally ought to be dependent on God just like Jesus Christ is because now are we the sons of God. We receive that spirit of adoption and we receive that spirit of Jesus Christ. And you know what? We've got to get back to that. When it comes, and in this, and we're going to get into this more a little bit later, but you know, Jabez asked for God to enlarge his coast. He wanted, he wanted more. He wanted to do greater. And I, I want all of you tonight, part of the challenge of this is for you as members of this church, as a part of Liberty Baptist Church, 
I think we ought to have that same prayer. You know, Lord, we want You to enlarge our church. We want You to enlarge our influence. Lord, we want to grow as a church, but if we're going to, if we're going to get that prayer answered, we need to realize as a church we're completely dependent on God for that. Completely dependent on Him. Too many times we think the answer to, you know, growing our church is, you know, finding the right book that we can read on, you know, jump starting your church or, you know, on church growth. And I'm not against reading books on those things. You know, we think the key to it is if I can just go to this, you know, church growth conference or idea day is what people are having nowadays. If I go to something like that, I'll be able to find the ideas that I need that will really get my church going. And I'm not saying that's bad either. There's nothing wrong with learning from other people. I like going to other churches and seeing the things they're doing right and learning from those things. I like getting advice from other pastors. But when it comes down to it, when it comes to real growth, seeing people saved, born again, lives changed, we're completely dependent on God. And that just needs to be our attitude. We ought to, all of us as a church, not just the pastor, everyone as a church, I mean, on a regular basis, we ought to just be crying out to God, Abba Father. Lord, we need You to do something here. We need You to do a work. Listen, it's, it's ugly out there in the world. Just yesterday, you know, we, we go out and knock doors. We do the things we're supposed to do. But let me tell you something. That doesn't work without God's help. Yesterday, the very first house I went to, very first house, Prophetstown, okay? Trying to knock all the doors in Prophetstown. Prophetstown, they need a good prophet over there, obviously, because uh, they got some issues over there. First house I went to, nice street, nice house. There's this nice, sweet looking little old lady sitting out there on her front porch. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be an easy visit. She'll be real nice, real friendly. And I go up there. I was like, hey, I'm Pastor Tommy. I want to invite you to Liberty Baptist Church. And she just looked at me and she said, you see that road over there? Yeah? She said, hit it. Okay, you have a nice day. And I left. I mean, what in the world? You know, first thing said. And somebody's trying over there. They had a revival meeting going out there, an outdoor revival meeting out in the middle of the park. And we went and drove by it and thought, hey, maybe we can go sit in on and see what's going on. We didn't know what church it was from or anything like that. But they had the rock band out there getting all geared up and ready to go before. And I'm like, yeah, forget this. We're, we're out. And so uh, we, didn't, we didn't stay forward or watch or anything like that. But let me, let me tell you something. I don't care what we do, what we try. Without God's help, we're just not going to accomplish anything. And I'm not saying we sit around and do nothing hoping God will do something. I think what we ought to be doing is getting as busy as we can, working as hard as we can, but the whole time just hoping God is going to do something, just praying, believing God is going to do something, understanding that we are completely dependent on Him. Because it, it can't get done without God's blessing, without His help. And Jabez did that. You know, He called on the God of Israel. We see that he wasn't afraid to ask for the blessing. Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed. He he's wasn't afraid to ask. Just like a little child. Look at Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 14. It's like many times we are, we're afraid to ask for things and there's a reason for that, I believe. But we should not be afraid to ask God for anything. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. 
Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Okay, And this is something that's real easy to apply personally in your life. If you're struggling with sin, okay, there might be things you're dealing with. You'd be, maybe you'd be embarrassed to come talk with me or another Christian about it. But understand that Jesus Christ was tempted in all points like as we are. He didn't sin, but He understands. And so we can boldly approach the throne and ask for forgiveness. Ask for help. And we don't need to be ashamed of it. And we ought to be ready to do that. And we ought to be just anxious, ready, I mean, completely comfortable asking God for things. Asking Lord you know, to send revival to the Rock Falls area. Asking the Lord to you know, grow our church and to, uh, you know, and to fill these pews up and to see lives changed. We, should, we shouldn't be afraid to ask that. It ought to be something that we're asking for all the time. On a regular basis, but you know what happens many times in churches is you know things get difficult. Maybe the church is struggling. You know the maybe the numbers are shrinking, and it's going bad. And people instead of praying and getting dependent on God, you know what they do? They start looking at the preacher. They start looking at other people in church. Well, you know why nobody's wanting to come? We've got so and so in the church, and they're the most unfriendly people. They're probably running everybody else out. Oh, the reason nothing's happening, you know, the pastor, his messages are lame, his messages are dry. We want to blame the preacher. We want to blame everybody else like they're the ones that we're dependent on. Listen, I, you know, I hope y'all think as much of me as is appropriate, but I hope you don't think I have the ability to bring revival. I hope you don't have the ability to think that I can build a church. Okay, we need God to do that, and we need to get dependent on him. And we need to understand too that even if you think the least of me that you can possibly think, understand that you know the truth is God uses the foolish things to confound the wise. And if you really think much of God, you would believe that you know what God can do something great with this group right here. God can do something great with that preacher and with those church members. God can do something with them because it's not us that's great. It's God that's great. And whatever happens here, God wants to get the glory for it. And so, if it is all about a program that we come up with, if it's all about our great ideas and our methods or my great preaching, then God's not going to get the glory. And so, we just need to understand that, you know, Lord, we're going to do everything that we can, but once again, the whole time, we're doing it just asking Him, dependent on Him, and... There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with asking it over and over again. We want to go into all the Scriptures where it encourages us to just over and over again be praying and asking for things. But we're constantly encouraged to ask God for things. Praying and asking, it's the same thing. Pray and ask. They mean the same thing. And we're constantly told to do that in the Bible. But I'm afraid the reason we don't ask for many of the things that we want it's because we know it's not the will of God. James chapter 4, verse 1 says, For whence come wars and fightings among you, come they not hence even of your lust, that war in your members ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain, ye fight in war, yet ye have not, because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your lust. Most of us in here, so, for the children of God, 
And if you've been a child of God for a while, you know God a little bit, don't you? And just like a child many times won't even bother asking their parents for things just because they know what the answer is going to be, they know that's not going to be my parents' will. If my boys are in Walmart and they see a really nice pair of skinny jeans, they're not going to ask me for them. <laughs> they're, they're not going to ask. And, and they, they wouldn't want them anyway, but they're, they're not. they know me well enough. And you know what? I think that's a real problem. The things that we're sitting around wanting, lusting after, desiring, we don't bother asking because we know God well enough to know that God does not want us to have that. God is not going to be okay with that. And so what we need to do, we need to be like Jesus Christ and make sure that we want what God wants. And if we want what God wants, all we have to do, we see in the Bible, to get it is ask for it. But sometimes I wonder if we're just not asking for it because we know He'll probably give it to us. Think about it. You know, We all say we'd love to see revival, but revival always starts with God's people. Okay? And the truth is, we'd love to see this area get straightened out. We'd love it if we could go into Walmart or the gas station and not listen to profanity out of everybody's mouth. Okay? I, I heard so much of that just this week. It was ridiculous. We'd love it if we, didn't, if we could go out in public and people weren't dressed like a bunch of animals, if people just didn't you know, act so ridiculous. I mean, we'd love it if we could see that. We'd love it if we could go out door knocking when you see a sweet little old lady. She'd be a sweet little old lady. And not a crab apple. I mean, we'd love that if we could see, if we could see that. But at the same time, revival never starts with the loss. It starts with God's people. And if God starts doing a work in our life, you know what's going to happen? He's going to start getting rid of sin. He's going to start washing us. He's going to start cleaning us up. And we don't always like that. And that's what we are afraid of. And so we're not asking. I, I listen. I don't think revival is this complicated thing. I think revival is real simple. I don't think the key to having revival is for us figuring out. You know, are we got to just plan this meeting? Are we going to plan a meeting in the fall? A lot of people do revival meetings in the fall. We got to make sure we get the right speaker. We've got to make sure that you know. All right, and and don't take don't take this wrong. I'm a hundred percent for this, but at the same time, I think it's even more simple than this. A lot of churches, they do this. We did this in the past. My dad's church, like maybe the month before, we'll have people in the church fasting every day that month. Somebody in the church is constantly fasting. You know, extra prayer meetings. I mean, just all kinds of extra prayer before the revival meeting. Asking God to prepare our hearts to hear the preaching so we'll be ready. And I do believe that stuff works. But you know what I think would work a whole lot better than that? What I think would work a whole lot better than fasting... And all that praying is if we would just do the things we know we're supposed to do and quit doing the things we know we're not supposed to do. If we would just before say, you know what? I don't even need to pray about this. I don't even need to hear any preaching. It's time to start getting rid of some junk in my house. You know, It's time to start changing some things. I don't even think we need to pray about most of the things that need to be done for us to have revival. I think we just need to do them. And I think we know what they are. I don't think we need a preacher necessarily up here yelling and screaming about it and naming all these things so you know we so we'll get convicted and know what things to go to. I think we all instinctively know. We've got if you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you. I do I think revival is just simple. And you know what I think we need to do 
I don't think we need to plan a big meeting. I think if we want to have revival, I think we just need to do it. Just have revival. Just as a church, if we get together and say, you know what? I'm tired of seeing the world fall to pieces. I'm tired of seeing all the junk in this area. I want to see a revival. We are the key. We know what to do. And just do it. I think that would be the key. And then, because once again, we know God wants it. And all we have to do is want what God wants and then ask for it. And if, But if we're asking for it, but we don't want it, we don't mean it, we don't have faith, it's not going to work. But I believe if we want the same thing God wants and we ask for it, I believe we'll get it. I think it's that simple. And so... You know, Jabez, I, I think, you know, what he wanted here wasn't appropriate. Here, he's not asking for revival. You know, he's asking God to enlarge his coast. Okay, look at verse, um, or back there in verse 10. You know, he says, Oh, that thou wouldst bless me indeed, or oh, that thou wouldst, um, yeah, bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. Lord, I want to be blessed. Lord, I want greater things. But we see that this desire for more he had, it wasn't a sin. You know, it's not a sin to want more. It's not. It's not a sin to want greater things. See, our our desire for more though should be a desire for more, so we can do more for God. I believe we. Ought, you know, it's okay for us to want a bigger church or a bigger auditorium. That way, we can preach to more people at one time. Uh, it's okay to want more people. That way, we'll have more workers and more people out there. You know, trying to witness to people and more people soul winning and making a difference. You know, the more people we have, the more ministries that we will be able to do. That should be our attitude, Lord. We want more, so we can do more. Lord, we want more money coming into the church because then we can support more missionaries. We can make a bigger difference. We can have a bigger impact on the world if we have more and so and look at hebrews or, or not hebrews exodus exodus chapter 10 verse 24 and i believe this ought to be our attitude in everything we ought to want we ought to try to hang on to everything we can get everything that we can get not so we can pile things up for ourselves but so we can do more for god and you'll remember in exodus when moses went and tried to get pharaoh to let him go he kept trying to make deals with them. You know, only the men can go. You know, you can go, but you got to leave things behind. And in verse 24, Pharaoh called unto Moses and said, Go ye, serve the Lord, only let your flocks and herds be stayed. Let your little ones also go with you. And Moses said, Thou must give us also sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice unto the Lord our God. Our cattle also shall go with us. There shall not an hoof be left behind. For thereof must we take to serve the Lord our God, and we know not with what we must serve the Lord until we come thither. He said we're taking everything. We're not leaving anything behind. Not be, he didn't say that because they were greedy. He didn't say, Pharaoh, you know how hard that we've worked for all these possessions that we have? If I tell the people they got to leave everything behind, then they're not going to want to go. That wasn't his attitude. Okay, Their lives were pretty rough there. They probably, he probably could have got them to leave even if they didn't bring their flocks and their herds. But he didn't say, you know, you know we need these things because we need a way to survive when we get to our land. We've got to have you know, a source of food. We've got to have these animals to help us on our farm. Even though there was a lot of practical reasons that they would need those things, and even selfish reasons, his reasoning wasn't because of that. He said, we're supposed to have sacrifices for God. And he hasn't given us his law yet showing what he is going to be required of us 
And so we're just going to take everything. That way, we'll be ready when He does ask for something. When He does ask, we won't be like a lot of people when God asks for the tithe and say, I don't have it. It's already spent on something else. No, we're going to hang on to it because we don't know what He's going to ask for. But when He asks, we're going to be ready to give it. That was their attitude. And that our, we should be the same way. Hey, you know what? We want more. Why? Because hey, God may want us to do this later. God may, you know, God may want us to start a bus route. God may want us to have, you know, this. God may want us involved in this ministry. We don't know. So let's try to get everything we can. Let's ask God for things because this will enable us to do more, more for Him. This isn't about consuming it on ourselves. Even though the more we're doing, isn't that going to be the more rewards that we have in heaven? And there's nothing wrong with you wanting more in that area. Nothing wrong. What Jabez was asking for here, it was pretty much all material and it was all earthly what he was asking for. But we see that God was anxious to give it to him. There was nothing wrong with this. There would be nothing wrong with you saying, you know what, I'd like a bigger house because then I could, I could you know, show greater hospitality. There's a church, uh, a family that I know of in another church. They've got a nice house and they've got a really nice downstairs and it's got its own kitchen and everything. And whenever uh, their church has guest speakers and stuff, they'll let them stay in that part of their house. Church doesn't have to pay for a hotel or anything and it is really nice. I was there preaching once on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night and we were able to stay there in the afternoon. Our family was all able to just go there and relax and it was really nice. It was a blessing. It was a help to the church. It was a blessing to us. It's been a blessing to other preachers. I know another family uh, way out west. They don't live that far from uh, Yellowstone Park. And he, this man, he will let uh, preachers' families, missionaries' families, whatever, go and stay in his house for free while they're out there. They have the whole downstairs themselves. And, you know, had its own bathroom and everything. I remember when we, were kids, we went out there, we didn't really know these people. They were recommended by somebody that we did know. And they let us stay in their house for a week. Saved us a fortune on hotel expenses. You know, I'm glad the Lord gave them that. If they lived in a little tiny house, they wouldn't have been able to do that. We had five kids in our family. You can't put up you know, seven extra people in a really small house. But you know what? God gave them a big house and they were using it for Him. You know, there's it, that should be our mindset. You know, I want more because that enables me to do more. There is nothing wrong with that. You don't need to be embarrassed about it. You don't need to be afraid to ask for it. You should just ask for it. Okay. And but notice too in this prayer, notice what he says after you know that would enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me. Okay. His he wanted to do things for God. He wanted to see great things happen. He wanted to be blessed. But you know, part he just there's something about having God's hand on what you're doing. To know that God's in on this. To know that God is blessing. It it just motivates you a little bit. It's kind of like uh, you know, when you're playing a sport or running a race. When you know, it does help when you have somebody in the crowd cheering for you, doesn't it? Doesn't it make a difference? You know, maybe you've been at a basketball game or something, and it's a home game and it's a close game. And you know what? It's exciting for the players when the crowd starts going crazy, when they get really loud and they know it's for them. 
Man, it's like you've got all this approval. You've got all these people backing you up. And when we start seeing God blessed, when we're asking for God to do things, and we know it's God doing it. We know it's not Tommy McMurtry. We know it's none of us. We know this is God doing a work. No doubt, this is God's, this is God's hand on us. It just tells us, it gives us that assurance that God is cheering us on. You know, He's on our side. We're on His side. I mean, and then you're going to have this attitude, we can't lose. You can't lose if you have God on your side. And He did. He, want, he, he, just, he wanted to be on God's side. And the truth is, I mean, that's all I really care about. I, just, I want to be on the right side of everything. I want God to be on my side. That's why I'm not afraid to stand alone in certain areas. When I know what the Bible says, when I know what God's Word says was true, I don't care who who I'm with, I'll stand alone. If I got God on my side, I'm good. I'm happy. It's it, there's just no safer place to be, and I believe that's what Jabez wanted. He just he wanted to see the hand of God in his life. He wanted that blessing. He said that thine hand might be with me. And the thing you ought to ask yourself is, would fulfillment of your desires, the things that maybe you are asking for? or maybe the things that you're embarrassed to ask for, if you ask for those things, would they make you closer to Christ or would they get you farther away? Look at, look at James, back in James chapter 4, verse 8. It says, Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You see, we don't know what we want many times. We're all back and forth. We're double-minded. we we're not sure. Okay? We don't know if what we want is the will of God. We don't know if we're on the right side. We don't know if God's in our corner. So we're afraid to ask. And the Bible just says, listen, draw an eye to God. Try to get closer to Him. And if you get closer to God, okay, then you know what's going to happen when you get closer to God. He's going to start revealing the sin that's in your life. If you start actually getting closer to God, it's going to become real clear if you're on the right path or not. I mean, there's probably going to be a lot of conviction. There's going to be a lot of changes that are taking place. But when you do, when you, when you draw an eye to God, He draws an eye to you. And then He throws it in there. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. You know, or, uh, purify your hearts. You double-minded. Okay? And that's, that's the problem. And that's one of the main reasons, too, that we don't see revival is we are, we're double-minded. Yeah, I want revival. I want to see America change for the better. But I don't want to change anything in my life. I want the Lord to change everybody else, but I don't want Him to change me. Double-minded. You know, I want to be a great Christian, but I really like this sin. Okay? Double-minded. Double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so Jabez, he didn't have that problem. He knew what he wanted. What he wanted was okay. He, he said that thine hand might be with me. He, just want, he wanted to be doing something in his life and it was clear God was with them. Okay? When you, he knew of the stories of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. These were men who loved God, men who walked with God. And the Bible talks about how God blessed them. God greatly blessed them. He wanted some of that in his life. And honestly, that's all I want to see. You know, one of my main goals as a pastor and one of my main goals as a father okay, is not only do I want to see God do a work here, I want my kids to see God do a work. You know, I'm very—I was very privileged to grow up, 
you know, in a preacher's home, and I got to see a church get started, and I got to see a church grow, and I got to see God do a work, and it was exciting. I I got to watch those things, and you know, I want my kids to get to see the same thing too. I, I want that for them, and I'm telling, you know, I really don't care what I do, where I go, how things. I just I just want to see God do something. Obviously, I have my ideas for things that I would like to see accomplished. I've got personal goals and all that stuff, but I I just I want I want my kids to see God do something real. I want it to be clear that it's God. I want them to be real in their lives. As a pastor, I want that I want you all to get to see that. Now, I I want us just to regularly to just be in wonder of what God's doing. I mean, man, I want us getting convicted because we're shocked because God answered another prayer. Like, man, you know, God answered. <laughs> why? Why are we even? Why are we even shocked about this? Boy, He answers prayers all the time. He's God, but man, that was a big one. And then, you know, have you ever been there before where you did? You got shocked when God answered a prayer when God showed Himself strong again, and then you feel bad that you doubted. You know. I, it's it's a good feeling and a bad feeling at the same time. It's like, man, you know, I feel bad that I wasn't, you know, expecting this, but man, you still feel good because you got to see God do something again. And that ought to be something that happens all the time. And it would. If we were asking for it. If our desire was for God to be with us. You know, Lord, I I got my plans for where I want to go, but Lord, I just want to be going with you. I want your hand to be with me. Just like little kids, they're not ashamed to walk through public and hold their dad's hand. And that ought to be us as Christians and us as a church. We're just holding God's hand. Hey, he's our Father. You know, where is He leading us? Hey, where He leads me, I will follow. That should be our attitude, what we're thinking. And so then finally, notice it says, um, in verse, oh, I turned out of there. Go back to First Chronicles chapter 4. I don't want to quote it. I'll say it wrong. But he says, Thou wouldst bless me indeed, Thou wouldst enlarge my coast, and that Thine hand might be with me, and that Thou wouldst keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. He wanted God to keep him from the evil. He wanted God to keep him from harm. We need to understand too. You know, remember, evil, that's bad that someone does to somebody else. Okay, When you do something to hurt somebody else. And the truth is, as a church, if we are doing good, there is going to be evil out there that's going to try to stop us. But you know what? I think a lot of people today are afraid for God to start working in their church because you know what it's going to do? It might get the waters rough sometimes. It's not always smooth sailing. There will be opposition. We're scared to death of opposition. But once again, if we're holding God's hand... If we're staying close to God, we shouldn't have to worry, should we? But notice though, there's nothing wrong with us, you know, asking God, Lord, keep us from the evil. Lord, deliver us from evil. He said that in Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. 
And you know what? That should be our attitude. Hey, I, I just, Lord, I want you with me. Lord, I want you to protect me from the evil. It's out there. There's going to be challenges, but we're to stay close to God and let Him get us through it. Let Him get us through the dark times. Let Him get us through the valley of the shadow of death. We need protection in the world we live in. And we need to remind ourselves who our protector is. Hey, once again, little kids, if there's a storm, they're not afraid to go running in their parents' room and jumping in bed with mom and dad. What am I going to do about a lightning bolt? If there is a tornado that hits our house, what am I going to do? I can't do anything about that. But you know what? You know Those little kids, they're going to want to be by me. Feel safer. But And truth is, God can protect us from anything. And you know what? I'm glad my kids feel that way. And we are, but with, with many of God's children, they're always running from Him. And we should not do that. We ought to be running to Him. And so do you understand how all these things, if we start wanting things, see, once again, like last week what I talked about with the whole zombie thing, with people just, there's no will, no desire for anything. Okay? We, I, we were just talking to somebody this week over at the high rise, and they were talking about all the people that were there who've just literally given up on walking. And there's nothing wrong with them. They were, they were naming all these people that are there that are able to walk, but they just don't want to. And so they're going around on the wheelchairs and scooters and things. It's gotten challenging, and they just quit. You know, I think people must like Miss Irene. She had something going wrong, but man, she she wanted to get out there and get on her feet again. Today we got healthy people, young people. I just, you know what? I'm I'm tired of walking. What in the world? Want something. You know? Go for it. We've all seen the stories of people who got paralyzed. And what do they want to do? They want to find a way to get back on their feet. And you know what? Christians today, uh, I've just given up. I don't care if God does anything. I'll keep on coming to church. I'll show up just in case. But they just don't really want anything. Can you get hungry for God to do something? You know, can, can you... as Members of this church, can you help us out as a church if we all start just getting hungry for God to do something? I believe He will. If we start wanting it and desiring it, and He did, He wanted it, and He's like, you know, keep me from the evil, protect me from it. He He wanted this, and He knew that there may be challenges out there, but if the Lord was with them, He would be protected. And then notice the results of His prayer. The results. The Lord granted that which He requested, and that's it. The, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us anything else about this guy. It just throws it throws this in there. Hey, he got what he wanted. Maybe we ought to try that. Maybe we ought to ask God for more. Look, at Jeremiah thirty three three, and I know this is was something a specific situation that was going on with Israel at that time. They they were up against an army that could not be defeated. But God said, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. You don't think He doesn't want to do that for us? You don't think that God is not in heaven today wanting to show the people of Liberty Baptist Church something great? I believe He wants to. But He wants us to ask for it. And if you don't ask for it, it's because you don't want it and you know what? Right now, if you don't mind, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, 
I want to pray to you for a second. I want to ask you for something. Will you ask God? You know, can you ask? Have you ever, have your kids ever done that? They got one of the other kids to go ask their parents for something. You know, and, you know, maybe they're afraid to ask whatever, or you know, they'll, you know, they're more likely to tell you yes. Okay, maybe God's more likely to tell some of you yes. And so, can you go ask? <laughs> hey, I'm going to ask too. But you know what? Maybe if we all ask, if we all get together and we all go and we ask God to do something, if we all say a prayer like Jabez. I think we got a better chance of getting that answer. I don't want to be the only one praying for this. Okay, we're we're a church, we're a congregation, we're a body of believers, and God loves unity. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. He wants us to be unified, and if us as a group are all wanting the same thing, we're all asking for it. I think we got a better chance of getting it. And so, as God's children. Let's all get together like kids do sometimes and let's plot and let's plan. How are we going to get this from our Father? And I think we've seen that in this message, how we can get it. So let's just do it. Let's, let's challenge God. Malachi 3.10. Remember what God said there? He said, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. He's like, put me to the test on this. Will you, will you try me out? You know, don't you love when you're challenged with something that you're able to do? You know, don't challenge me to go slam dunk a basketball. I'll fail, okay? But you know, when you get challenged to do something, oh, I, I know I can do that. Well, just stand back and watch me work. We all just naturally want to do that. And God has all this ability. He's got all this power. We live in a world today that's just full of atheists and full of Christians that have just given up and quit believing on God. And God's out there looking amongst His people wanting to show Himself strong somewhere. And somebody's like, I believe God wants to use a church somewhere. He wants to bless a church somewhere. He wants to do great things. He wants to get all the glory for it. He's not going to share it with me. He's not going to share it with any of you. But He's wanting to do it. And what we have to do is we have to ask for it. And I think we need to start doing it like Jabez. But you know, we often sit around wondering why we don't see God do many wonderful works. And I think if we study the Bible, there's only two reasons. One, we didn't ask. Or two, we just don't believe. And what excuse is there for unbelief? There, there isn't any. There's no excuse for either. Mark 13, or Matthew 13.58, when Jesus was in Nazareth, in his own home, Nazareth, in his own hometown, says he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So that's that's it, folks. If we don't see revival, it's those two things. We didn't ask for it, and we didn't believe, or we didn't believe God could do it when we did ask for it. What, what's an ex, what's the excuse for that? Is, do you not want it because you're so worldly, because your life is so full of sin? Or do you just not believe God can do it? You know what? I, I refuse to pretend, you know, live a life as a Christian not believing in God, not believing that God can do anything. Pastoring a church not believing that God can do anything. That, that, that doesn't even make sense. Why would I do that? Why would any of you do that? Why would you even come to church and worship God, sing about God, learn about God when you don't even think He can do anything. 
it doesn't make any sense. I think we all want to see something. I think we know how to do it. And so I hope starting tonight we'll put that into practice. You know, Lord, do something. You know, Lord, show me. Lord, bless our church. Lord, bless me as an individual. Help me. Enable me to do more for You. And I I don't see where Jabez... Bob doesn't give us a whole bunch of things about Jabez's character that we got to go down this list. We know he was more honorable than his brethren, but doesn't say why. And so, I hope you will learn from that prayer of Jabez this evening. So with that, let's all stand together.